Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Finch. For next week, read Galatians chapter 1. Pastor Chris is going to be preaching, starting a series out of Galatians. You're not going to want to miss that. I'm going to listen to it online. How many of you like movies? You like movies? Yeah. I like movies. I especially like those that have a good plot. This last couple of weeks, Connie and I watched the uh, Jason Bourne movies. Yeah, I always like to try to figure it out before it ends. Try to figure it out. So, you know, and the, the really bad thing is, is Connie figures it out before me. Uh, I like to try to figure it out. But, you know, here's the thing. There's clues all the way through, but you can never really know until the end. How many of you have been surprised by the ending of a movie? You thought it was going to do something totally different. Well, we've been in a series called Mysteries. I, I've really enjoyed this. Mysteries. In the New Testament, the word is mysterion. It's truth which human intellect could never discover, but has now been made known by divine revelation. It's not something man would come up with, but it has been made known by divine revelation by God. It's been revealed by God. I've learned a lot uh, in this series. We talked about the mystery of God. We talked about the mystery of evil. We talked about the mystery of the Christ and of the new creation. We talked about the mystery of godliness. And this morning, I'm going to talk to you about the end of the mystery. I never, I've learned something this week. How many of you ever think that God uh, sneaks a verse of Scripture in the Bible every once in a while? No, no matter how many times you've read it, something all of a sudden, when you're looking at a certain thing, all of a sudden this sticks out to you, and you think, where did that come from? That's what I've got this week. I was reading, I want you, we're going to be talking about the end of the mystery this morning. I want you to turn to, in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 10, verse 5. Revelation chapter 10, verse 5. And we're going to, we're going to look at especially verse 7, but, but in context, in Revelation, the end of the book, in Revelation, it talks about that there's seven angels that are given seven trumpets. And uh, Revelation 10, verse 7, is talking about the seventh angel who's about to blow his trumpet. And then he blows his trumpet. And I want you to look at verse 5. This is the seventh angel. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven, and he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. There should be delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished, as he declared to his servants the prophets. The message says, verse 7, this way, that when the seventh angel blew his trumpet, which he was about to do, the mystery of God, all the plans he had revealed to his servants, the prophets, would be completed. There's going to be an end to the mystery. Last week we talked about Christ in you, the hope of glory, and we, we ended on the hope of glory. This must be it. That when, the, when God wraps it all up, well, what is that? What is that? What is that time? I believe it's the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's the finish, the coming of Christ. Christ Himself. It's the mystery 
that in its revealing, it's the end of all mystery. In other words, there's not going to be anything else that's been left to be revealed. It is finished. It will be the consummation, the coronation of the plan of God. And every believer will be included. Every believer will be included. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to be talking about not just the second coming, but what does it mean for us? What does it mean for the believer? Those who have believed in Christ and have died, and those of us who are still alive. Here's the thing, Jesus could come at any moment, right? We know that, or at least we say we know that. But let me tell you, as times and years and seasons go past, many of us have gotten calloused. We've heard it so many times, and it hasn't happened. And so sometimes we get the idea that maybe if it hasn't happened, it won't happen. But let me tell you, the Bible declares that the second coming is just as certain as his first coming. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, I hope that you'll read the whole chapter of 15. Because it talks about the, the resurrected body. It talks about the resurrected body. And that's what we want to look at this morning. Now this I say, verse 50, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at that last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. There's coming an end to all of this. All that God has started, all that man lost, and that Jesus redeemed will one day be completed, finished. It will be revealed when Christ Himself comes the second time. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22 and 24, through 24, it says this, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But, verse 23, each one in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, Afterward, those who are Christ at His coming. Then comes the end, when He delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when He puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power. Folks, what this is saying is, just as Jesus was the first fruit in resurrected life, then we are going to be resurrected. And when we are resurrected with Him... It says, then the end, when he delivers the kingdom, the realm by which Christ rules and everything that Christ has accomplished to God the Father, because he's put everything under his feet. Here's the point that I want you to see, that one of these days, Christ is going to come, we're going to be changed, we're going to be given a resurrected body, and we are going to be with him in that kingdom that Jesus himself presents to the Father. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? That the full expression of the glory of God is going to be handed over to God the Father. To Him be the glory. To Him be the glory. You say, wow, someday. It's going to happen. 
If you've received Jesus Christ, you will be included in that kingdom. Now, now we don't know when that's going to happen. Jesus Himself said, no one knows but the Father. Now, we have signs. Jesus told us about things to be looking for. But the reality is, we don't know. But according to the Bible, His second coming is as certain as His life, His death, and His resurrection. Christians don't agree as to when it will happen. Some say before the tribulation, some say in the middle of the tribulation, some say the end of the tribulation, some don't want a tribulation. Some say it's just going to be simultaneously with the second coming of Christ at the end of the world as we know it. Here's the point I want to make to you this morning. It doesn't matter where you come down on that. Here's what I want you to get. He's coming. He's not only coming, but when He comes, it'll be the end of all mystery. Not going to be any secrets left then. There's going to be the revelation of the Father, of His Son, and of we who belong to Him. What's that mean for us? What's that mean? Paul dealt with it two ways. He dealt with it what it meant for the dead who died before. He said, we'll not precede them. He also deals with those who might be alive. There's going to come a generation that is not going to die. Lord, let this be the generation. But there's going to come a generation that's not going to pass through death in order to be in God's presence. Wow. There's going to be, what's that mean for us? There's going to be a change. There's going to have to happen a change. Flesh and blood, 1 Corinthians 15, 50 says, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom or the realm of God's rule. Flesh and blood. It just simply means, it refers to our earthly our mortal body, our human body. Flesh and blood is only used five times in the New Testament. And every time it's used to talk about our humanity in the sense of our mortality. Our body. This earth suit. That's what he's talking about. He said this earth suit cannot inherit, gain what is ours in the kingdom realm of God's rule. Now, Folks, listen, we're totally at home on earth. We were made for this earth, but we can't go into the Lord's realm like this. The scripture says this corruption, which means this decaying body must put on incorruption that which cannot decay, that which is an an ending existence. And here's the point that Paul's trying to make. Perishable bodies cannot dwell in an eternally imperishable environment. Perishing is not permitted in God's presence. Isn't that amazing? Perishing is not permitted. Therefore, there's going to have to be a change. And what I want to talk to you about, what I'm learning about this change, how, you know, my question is how? And that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, Christ revealed, but how is this, what kind of body, what, what's this talking about? How? First of all, God does it. 1 Corinthians 15, 38 says, but God gives it a body as He pleases. God has given everything as He pleases. Verse 49 says, and as we have borne the image of the man of the dust... We shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now, I want you to notice in New King James, the, boy, the man of the dust is lower caps, right? 
the man, the heavenly man is upper cap. In other words, what they're trying to say is just as we've borne the first Adam's dust, our mortality, when God makes this change, you're going to bear the body of, it's called a heavenly body, but you're going to bear the body just like Jesus. Now, here's the thing that I want you to see. Most of my life, I've thought about going to heaven and I've never thought about my body. I think of going to heaven, I think of being a spirit. You know, I'm looking for my cloud with my harp. That's not what we're talking about here. And that's not what Paul, the revelation that Paul got. And here's the thing I want you to see. Revelation, there's two places, two books that Paul wrote that he talked about this revelation. 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and then 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And he talked about, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15, he says, What I'm telling you, I got by the word of the Lord. He's saying, this is not what I've studied. This is not something that I've come through through studying of old. I've got this by revelation of the Lord. And he's talking about this resurrected body. In Thessalonians, they were concerned about those who had died. What's going to happen when Jesus comes again? And he talks about them being raised first. In Corinthians, he talks about, well, what's going to happen to the people who are alive that hasn't died? And here's the thing. Here's his point. Both get a resurrected body. Well, what is that? The resurrected body. What kind of body? Well, Romans eight twenty three calls it a redeemed body. It's amazing to me. You know where it talks about in Romans 8, where it talks about the whole earth groans for its deliverance? Verse 23, it says this, And we believers also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we belong... For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. I say amen to that. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as His adopted children, including the new bodies He has promised us. King James says, the redeemed body. The body that, has, that is exactly what God intended. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about dying and leaving this body behind, I don't think about this body being redeemed. But that's exactly what Scripture says. The full measure of God's final work is the redemption or the, re- the resurrection of the body. That was new to me. And here's the thing. I knew that I was going to have another new body. That's the way I thought about it. There's going to be another new body. But it's talking about the redemption of our body. In other words, this me, this body is going to be redeemed. It's going to be resurrected. It's going to be resurrected, but it's not going to be mortal. It's not going to be, it's going to put on immortality. It's not going to be decaying or corruptible. It's going to put on incorruption. You say, how? God. It's the only answer I've got. I don't know how. I know who. But here's the point that it gets me, is that you're going to have your identity, but with a brand new realm of existence. 
you're going to be you, but your body's going to be you in the realm of immortality. Now, how many of you have ever, how many of you, when you were young, you were posers? I didn't know they called them guns until much later. My guns are shooting blanks now. You know what I mean? You know, you know what posing is, is when you look in the mirror and you put on your best smile and you put, you primp your hair and, and you, you, you know, you bulge, you, you bulge your muscles, you, you admire your beauty. And the older I get, the less I pose. But I've discovered something that's just blown me away. When I look in the mirror and I see me, I don't see the me as the same as when they take a picture. Have you seen your pictures? Now listen, yeah, we got our passport. I ain't showing nobody. I tell you, that's not the me I see in the... But there's a picture. And how many know, pictures don't lie. I kind of like the idea of a new body. Immortal. New. Not for posing, but for possessing all the promises of God. It's going to happen. We're going to get a new body. Now listen to me. It's it's a body. Here's the thing that I think sometimes we think that God saved our spirits and he saved our souls, but we've not talked about his salvation of our body. You see, here's the thing I want you to see. God's not leaving anything undone. Why do I say body? Why is it now? Why, wouldn't it be okay for us just to be spirits floating around? I mean, when I think of going to heaven, I don't think of walking. I mean, I want to glide. All of a sudden, I realize that when, G- when God raised Jesus from the grave, He raised Him bodily. There wasn't any body left in the tomb. It was Him. He was raised, and I would want to say physically, but it's more than physical. He was raised immortal, never to die again. He was raised incorruptible. In other words, he's not going to see decay or lack or anything. It's just perfect. That's what God's going to do with you. He's going to raise you, not just, not physically. He's going to raise you incorruptible. You're going to be, you're already brand new, but you're going to have a new house to put you in. Resurrected. And here's the thing, here's how I know it. Jesus was raised. And just as we had that uh, image that we bore the image of the dust, we're going to bear the image of the man who is heavenly, who is spiritual. Now, it will be a spiritual body. Here's the thing. 
let me give you one that's not going to be on the screen because I just found it. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-three. First Thessalonians five twenty-three. Here's what it says: Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I've used that scripture for years to talk about the tripart being of man: spirit, soul, and body. But when I read it this time, listen to what Paul's praying. May the God of peace himself sanctify, set you apart completely. And may your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body be preserved, kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What if Paul is talking about the end? Here's the... Here. Well, we're body, soul, and spirit. You know we say it backwards? How many of you say it body, soul, and spirit? Right? That's not what Scripture says. Scripture says spirit, soul, and body. Most of us live backwards. We live body. Just let yourself get hungry. It's just, it's not time yet. We live body, soul, how do you feel? Spirit, what's God saying? God wants us to live. What's God saying? How you feel? Let's walk it. But we live backwards. We live body. What do I want? I want whatever I want. When do I want it? Now. And if you get in the way, get out of the way. It's all about the poser. Me. There's a change coming. You're going to have the body. And your redemption's not finished until you have a resurrected body. You'll be changed, but you'll be different. Okay, the best way I know is a caterpillar. Caterpillar. Caterpillar's a worm. Right? It's, it's climbing. It's on the ground. Climbing on things. But it spins itself into a cocoon, and after a few days, a butterfly emerges. I think God just kind of gives us glimpses. It's the same caterpillar, but with a new body. No longer of the ground, but of the heavens. You're going to have a new body. Well, preacher, when? In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. That's what it says. Verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. The word moment could be also translated flash. It, it, it's a Greek word, atmos, which we get our word atom, because in the Greeks' time, the atom, the atmos, was the smallest thing that they could conceive. And the, the word literally means can't be cut. It can't be divided anymore. In other words, if there's time, this, this in a moment, in this flash, in other words, it's a moment that can't be divided anymore. In the twinkling of an eye. Now we think a blink, right? Twinkling, a blink. Well, you blink 20 to 30,000 times a day. But it's not a blink. Some of you are blinking real hard. <laughs> the, the twinkling of an eye is an expression. But here's the thing. It's so much faster than a twinkle. You know, it's so much faster than a twitch. It's, it's amazing to me. Someone said that, 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 
the twinkling of an eye is the time it takes the light to enter your eye and bounce off the retina. And then they, they figured out how much time that is. Aren't you smart? You know how much time it takes for the light to bounce off your retina? One-sixth of a nanosecond. Did that help? How many of you know what a nanosecond is? Come on, some of you. There you go. A nanosecond. You know what a nanosecond is? It's one billionth of a second. And so, here's the twinkling of the eye. One-sixth of one billionth of a second. In other words, here's what's going to happen. It's going to happen, and then you're going to know it. In other words, something's going to happen. God's going to do something. There's going to be a shout from heaven. God's going to do something. And the only way you know it is because it's already happened. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, you're going to be changed. When the trumpet sounds, well, what's that? 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 says, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. The idea of trumpet, of shout, of sound, here's the thing, I think, it's just everybody's going to know it. Have you ever been surprised by a clap of thunder? Lightning already happened. Lightning already happened and the thunder rolls. The change is going to take place and everybody's going to know it. The end has come. You've been given a resurrected body. You are different. You'll be caught up in the cloud with the Lord. Now listen, people always... What about those people that's been cremated? What about those that, that died at sea? And what about... Listen, in an instant, they're going to get an immortal body. And listen to me. What's amazing to me is they're going to get a body of who they were. Who can do that? God. You know, He's the one that reached down, took the dirt, and blow it, and says, let Him be. I got an idea. He can do it. He can give you anything He wants you to give you. And that's what He wants to give you. A resurrected body, immortal incorruptible, to be with Him, to be where He is in His fellowship, sharing in the light of His glory for all eternity. There's one more that just, I, I love it, especially today. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty four. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where's your sting? O Hades, O grave, O, o death, where is your victory? He quotes two Old Testament passages. He doesn't quote them. He uses them. Isaiah and Hosea. He says the sting of death is sin and the strength of the law. He needs to put a little doctrine in there. sting of death is sin the strength of, the law, of sin is the law. But I want, you to, I want you to focus on something of the revelation God's given me about this swallowed. Death is swallowed up in victory. In other words, victory swallows death. Triumph swallows death. What's swallow? Now, I'm, I don't know. I'm not a chewer. I'm a swallower. You know what I mean? Connie's a chewer. When she eats, she eats. When I eat, I swallow. 
Why do you eat so fast? Tastes good. I'm a swallower. Let me tell you what swallow means to devour. It means to do away with. And here's the thing that just so blew me away. That when, when Jesus does all of this to us, and He does it to those who died in the past, and those who are alive and don't die at all, and in that moment, death is swallowed, done away with. But here's another side of that that I want you to see. Death is undone. Death is undone. Everything death has done will be undone. I think of my mom and my dad and my grandparents. And how I watched them and I saw what they went through in the dying. And I think, thank you, Jesus. It's going to be undone. Cancer is going to be undone. Murder is going to be undone. Death is going to be undone. Death has lost its sting. And yes, the strength of uh, uh, the, the, the sting of death is sin. And yes, but here's the point. Jesus took it all. He paid the price. He, he outlawed the law by fulfilling it. Now it's no longer the law, but it's Him. You get in relationship with Him. Death. I love it. I love it even more today because we got a call Friday morning that Connie's best friend in Haskell for 30 years went on to be with the Lord. Two months earlier, that asked Connie. She asked, she called Connie up and said, will you do my funeral? Connie said, mm-hmm, let me think about it. Tomorrow we go to do her funeral. And here's what's so good about that this morning is death's going to be undone. Death's going to be undone. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. Death doesn't have the last word for the believer. Jesus does. Death's no longer the most powerful force in our lives. Jesus is. Yes, there's still a sting to death. Right now, there's still a sting to death. And here's, here's the thing. You might not be... I, I don't think I'm fearful of dying. I don't think I'm fearful of death. Because I know I have life. Billy Graham, you know, they just had his funeral. And he said, you know, I'll be more alive today. I just changed addresses. Right? I just went to sleep here and I wake up there. The whole point, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm not talking about soul sleep. I'm not talking about any of these things. I'm not talking about any of these areas. I'm just talking about that this is all going to change. Death is going to be conquered. And Jesus is going to be Lord. But here's the thing. There's still the sting of death. Death still robs us of relationships. Death still is a pain. Death still... But there's going to come a day in our resurrection, their death is no it's going to be swallowed up. It's going to lose its sting. It's going to have no victory. 1 Corinthians 15:57 in the message says it this way, but now in a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, and death are gone, the gift of our master, Jesus Christ. He's given us a gift. And one day, He's coming again and saying, it's now. So, how should we live if that's true? Verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding. 
That word abounding means do more than enough in the work of our Lord, knowing that your labor's not in vain. It's not going to be empty. Message, the message says it is, with all this going for us, if God be for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground. Quit compromising. Don't hold back. Step forward. Throw yourselves into the work of the Master, confident that nothing you do for Him is a waste of time or effort. Let me close with two examples. Uh, when Connie and I, we used to go to Amarillo quite frequently, and uh, we would go by way of Lubbock, and as we get right to Lubbock, we would take the loop that goes around Lubbock, so I don't have to go through Lubbock. And right on the side of the road of the loop that you turn on is a scrapyard. You ever seen a scrapyard? And they have a big crane, and on that crane they have a big magnet. And that magnet, they just swing it around and they pick up the metal and they can move it around just by the magnet. And I thought of that illustration. I'm talking about being caught up. That in that moment, in that twinkling of an eye, in one sixth of one billionth second, we be changed and caught up. But here's the thing I realized. That that magnet doesn't pick up everything. That magnet only picks up iron. Have you ever thought why? You say, well, it's because the magnet is magnetized. And, and that's, no, the magnet's the same nature of the iron. The iron and the the iron and the magnet are of the same nature. The same nature. So he picks it up. We're going to be caught up. We're going to be caught up together with him. And then We'll be forever with the Lord. Caught up. Because we have the same nature. So that, mis- that scares me. How many people don't have that nature? How many people have a religion but not a relationship? How many people go through the motions but don't have the transformation? How many know the rules but don't know the Lord. I'm not wanting it to be afraid of that time. I want us to be looking forward to that time. The other is, the other illustration is, I picked this up on the golf course. It's an acorn. There's huge oak trees. And a lot of time, especially... In the fall, they drop these things and they're everywhere. And I went out there looking for one and I like to never found one. They're all gone. There's the holes, but there's not the acorns. And as I thought about this as an illustration, sometimes we get discouraged because we can't see any good that's being done. We don't see any difference being made. Here's a, here, have you ever had, is this worth it? You know, you called on Jesus, He saved you, called you, put you right in the middle of this world full of life, but for what? Does it really count? What difference does it make? If you didn't know what an oak tree was, 
you had never seen an oak tree, you know, when Connie and I moved, we moved from the panhandle when trees were, mm, had to be planted. They didn't exist there. And we come down here, one of the things we were most amazed at is the beauty of the oak trees. And then amazing, after we've lived here for 30 years, we don't notice it like we did. We were in awe. We were wowed. But what if you had never seen an oak? What if you didn't know what an oak tree was? And all you had was an acorn. Would you ever believe anything could come of this? You know, you could even, you could dissect it and you won't find an oak tree. But within it is everything necessary. You see, if you plant this and you come back in 50 years, you'll see the glory of what's in it. Here's my point. Right now, you may feel like a nut. You don't see anything. You don't see any future to it. You don't understand why it's still this way. You know, by this time, you thought it'd be something different. But there's going to come a day when Jesus comes. And He's going to pull back the curtain. And you're going to see everything that God has accomplished through you. Because you presented it to Him. You're going to see the glory of what God can do with the seed of His life that He's planted. And if that's true, and I believe it is, how should we live? Why step back? Why compromise? This is who I am. This, there's no mystery to it anymore. This is who God is, and this is who I am, and this is who you can be. Thanks to Jesus. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we come to you recognizing what a glorious future we have. What a glorious future. The corpse that's planted in no beauty will be raised glorious. It'll be put in the ground weak, but it'll come up powerful. The seed that's been sown in natural will grow up supernatural. Same seed, same body, but the difference comes because of the spiritual immortality that you give us. Lord, there's going to be an end of the mysteries, and it's found in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Two questions. Jesus came today. Would you be caught up? Fixing to go to Israel, and I thought about visiting the Mount of Olives. And one of these days, Jesus is going to step foot on the Mount of Olives. This is the 70th anniversary of Israel's becoming a nation. Connie and I are going to walk on the ground where Jesus walked. If I don't come back next Sunday and the Sunday after that, don't look for me. Here's the point. Wouldn't it be great if Jesus came back in the 70th year of the nation of Israel? 
It could happen. I guess my question is, would that be exciting to you or uh-oh? The other side of it is, is don't ever think that you don't have anything to offer. God's at work in you, both to will and to do His good pleasure. And one of these days, it's going to show up. He's going to show it. Let's trust Him. Trust Him to make, give us a new nature and trust Him to reveal what He's doing in us so that He will get the glory. Father, we pray that You would work Your work in our lives this morning, solve our mysteries, and show us Jesus. For it's in His name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com. 